Well, good morning. It is a privilege to get to preach God's word this morning. So how can healthy churches continue to move forward and not grow stagnant? This year, I turned 40 years old. It's a big deal. And something I started noticing, and I'm sure it's been happening for a while. I just became aware of it when I turned 40. I'll go to a meeting or a rehearsal or I'll meet with a group of people and I'll look around. And there's this moment where I realize I'm the oldest person in this room. And it's not by one or two years. It's like a full decade older than everybody in the room. And there's two ways to look at that. You can go, well, you're just getting old. Or you can realize that, you know, you have a lot of experience. I mean, I'm an experienced person. I do have a lot of experience. I've been on staff as a worship pastor at a church since I was 19. So that's 21 years of experience with churches. And I've served at some really healthy churches. And I've served at some churches that had some dysfunction. And when I was 22, I served a church like that. It was a great church. I was right out of college. And uh, I know God called me there. I still have friends there. But the church had, it just had some dysfunctional things in it. And one of the ways that it played out was in public worship. So this church hired 22-year-old Paul to transition them from traditional music to modern contemporary music. And if you're over 40, like me, you'll remember a time that we had this thing called the Worship Wars, where we had like 100 years. We used to do congregational worship. We'd have a hymnal, piano and organ. We'd sing in four parts. It was beautiful. It was a great way to sing. I still love singing that way. But now we have the modern worship band. So we have the drums and the electric guitar and the keyboard and the bass. And and 22-year-old Paul, his job was to transition this church. And I wanted to do a good job. I mean, I really did. I just had this dream of everybody singing, worships intergenerational. We're all going to sing together. And so I'd schedule a hymn and a worship song and then a hymn and a worship song. And what would happen is we would sing the hymn and everybody would stand up and sing. And it was great. And we'd go into the worship song and about 30% of the congregation would sit down, cross their arms and just glare. I mean, like the evil eye. And then we go back to the hymn, they pop up and they would sing again and then worship song. We're right back here. Not singing your worship song, long haired kid. Not going to do it, you know. And it, it broke my heart because, you know, they just didn't realize, you know, church is not about you. You know, it's not about me. It's not about you. Our focus at church is God. We're here to worship God. We're here to hear from his word. And the way that we show God's love to the people around us is by serving one another. First Peter four, it says that we are to serve one another in Philippians chapter two. It says that we are to put others preferences before our own. So the way we show God's love to the people around us and to the world is by putting other people above ourselves. And they didn't they didn't grasp that. But that's not the problem with this church. You know, this church is a healthy church and we have our issues, but it's a healthy church. And and I knew it was a healthy church before I first came here, because one of the things they teach you in worship pastor school, if you want to spot a good church, just ask them where the money is. Where are you spending your money on? If your church is spending most of their money on their staff and their building, there might be something wrong there. But if it's a church that gives money to missions and pours it into the community to further God's kingdom, 
That's a sign of a healthy church. And I'm still blown away by this church. You know, last year we gave money to Revolution, a church in our community, right? It's another church in our community, and we're giving money to them because they're reaching people that we might not be able to reach in Salina, and we want to further God's kingdom. And this is a day and age where big churches, they're killing smaller churches, and we're trying to help them because we want the kingdom of God to be further. That's a sign of a healthy church. But I've been thinking, you know, I really want our church to be like the greatest church around. And how do you become like a great church? Well, you get people in here. I mean, you pack it in. So I've got some ideas. I'm going to run them by you. How we can just be the most awesome church. Number one, coffee shop in the foyer. And I'm not talking about black coffee with some sweet and low. I'm talking about cappuccino, frappuccino, lattes, breves. I want people to wake up on Sunday morning and think, I could go to Starbucks or I could get an iced mocha cappuccino from First Covenant Church. That would bring them in. Then they're here, right? It's a good idea. And then, you know what else? I know we have this gym down there. We let everybody use it. Great, whatever. What we could do is we could turn that into a fitness facility, like Planet Fitness style, get some treadmills, that spacewalking machine, the elliptical, pack it in there, and then you have to be a member at our church to use our fitness facility, huh? Wouldn't that bring it in? Wouldn't that pack it in? Good ideas? You know, fortunately, we don't rely on my ideas. For being a great church, we follow the instructions that God left us in his word. And he left us pretty specific instructions in the book of Philippians. Because it turns out the Apostle Paul had some experience with church planting. And in his letter to the church at Philippi, he told them the secret to being a successful, effective church. Spoiler alert, it doesn't involve a coffee shop. doesn't involve a fitness club. So get out your Bibles. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. And I encourage you to open your Bible this morning, whether it's your phone or your iPad or your Bible. We're not going to put the words on the screen uh, because what speaks to our hearts is God's Word. So we want to have God's Word open in front of us. And if you don't have a Bible, we have brand new Bibles in the chairs in front of you. Please open up one this morning. Keep it out. We're in Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, NLT. This is verse 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and the deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Just a little bit of history. At this time, the Apostle Paul is in Rome. He is in prison. He's under house arrest. The church that he started in Philippi has heard that he's under house arrest. So they sent a man named Epaphroditus with gifts and letters of encouragement and resources to meet him in Rome to tell him, hey, we, we support you. We're praying for you. We believe in your ministry. We are remembering you. And so Paul wrote this letter. He gave it to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus traveled all the way back to Philippi. And then he read this letter to that congregation, the Philippian church. And he started off by saying, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began this good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me 
the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. And you can see right here how much affection the Apostle Paul has for the Philippian church. He says every time he thinks of them, he gives thanks to God. He makes his requests with joy. They have a special place in his heart. Why? Because they're his partners in spreading the good news. They're defending and confirming the truth of the good news. These people are helping him spread the kingdom of God. And there was nothing that was more important to the Apostle Paul than furthering the kingdom of God. He was always preaching the gospel everywhere he went. And this church is doing well. I mean, it's like a father who is proud of his children. It's just, it's dripping with affection. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, so good job. Keep up the good work. I'll let you know when I need another check. That's not what he says. In the very next verse, he tells them how to keep moving on and how to keep being effective. In verse 9, he says, and I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. So how do healthy churches continue to move forward? They move forward if they continue to nurture their love for Christ. The more we grow in knowledge and understanding of God's word, the more our love is going to overflow. The more you know God through reading his word, through spending time in prayer, the more you will love him. With any relationship, you have to spend time with the person to get to know them. If you want to know God and grow your love for God, you have to spend time with God. You know, when I think of a relationship that grows in love, the first thing that comes to mind is marriage. And I'll never forget what my father told me on my wedding day. He said, you know, right now, you think this is the most you're ever going to love your spouse. You're young. It's your wedding day. You're in love. You think this is it. But the truth is, it gets better and deeper every day. It continues to grow every year. You cannot love your spouse on your wedding day with the same depth that you can at year 10 because there's, there's growing together, right? The highs and the lows, the joys, the successes, the failures, the tears. There's 10 years of knowing that person, knowing their character, knowing how much they care for you. And you can't love your spouse at year 10 the way you can at year 25 because there's 15 more years of growth in that relationship. The same is true of God. If you want to know God, you have to spend time with him. A.W. Tozer said, God came to earth as the man, Jesus Christ, and thus a relationship with him can be cultivated the same way as it can with any other person. We can get to know God through, through his word, through prayer, through earnestly seeking him. And now you might be thinking, well, Paul, I, I'm just really busy. I mean, I, I want to read my Bible, but I'm just so busy. I just, I just I have so much going on. I try, and I just I can't do it. And, and what I would say is, you know, I'm, I'm astounded sometimes by conversations I hear between Christians about their favorite TV shows, like 30-minute-long conversations. It's a fictional characters, fictional places, fictional time periods, 
fictional story. They never happened, right? And, and we know these characters, and we know the director, and we know where it was filmed, and we want to go see it. And, and I hear people talk, and they're like, I just, I just feel like they're my friends, you know? And when the season's over, it's like my friends are gone, and I just can't wait till I get to see my friends again. And you want to know why you feel like they're your friends? Because you spend so much time with them. That's why we can't have a two-minute conversation about what God showed us in his word. But we can talk forever about our favorite TV shows. We have more access to the scriptures than any generation in the history of humanity. It's right there. It's on your phone. Every version, every translation, every single commentary. We are without excuse. If you want to grow in your knowledge and understanding of God and your love of God, it takes dedicated, committed time. There's not a shortcut. Healthy churches continually grow in their knowledge and understanding of God, and that is what nurtures their love for Christ. Now, in any relationship, saying that you love someone is important. But as we all know, actions speak louder than words. Which is why healthy churches continue to move forward if they are pursuing holiness. The fruit of your life is the proof of your love. Let's look at verse 10. He continues on. He says, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives. This is what brings glory and praise to God. Living a pure and blameless life is the proof that you love God and that you delight in his commandments. It brings glory and praise to him, and it shows that God is continuing the good work that he began in you, which he just talked about in verse 6. If I only ever tell my wife I love her, I don't ever show her with my actions, she's not going to believe me. If I don't sacrifice, if I don't put her first, I can say it all I want. It's not, it's not going to mean anything. So what does that mean for us? Are our lives any different than the people around us? Are they different than our neighbors? Are they different than our coworkers? Are they different than your friend group? Or do they think you're exactly like them? When you get on the golf course, are you a foul-mouthed drunk? Do you watch the same TV shows that they do and just talk about, like, do, do we have 30-minute conversations about that? What is different about your life? And you might say to me, well, Paul, no one is perfect. I mean, I'm a sinner like everybody else. I can't be perfect. The Bible even says it. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And that's true. I mean, we, we are sinners, and we can't be perfect until we are truly sanctified with Christ. But Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you would know his followers by their fruit. Look at verse 11 again. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. This is what brings much glory and praise to God, the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced by Christ. Jesus also said that every branch that does not produce fruit will be torn down and thrown into the fire. Pursuing holiness is the fruit of our love for Christ. So how can healthy churches continue to move forward? Well, it depends on the actions 
of you and me because the church is made up of individuals. All of us need to be pursuing these things, just like Paul told that congregation in Philippi. We need to be nurturing our love of God by growing in knowledge and understanding. So what are you going to do today to grow in knowledge and understanding? Analyze your life right now. Maybe before you check the news, CNN or Fox News, maybe you read your Bible before you check that. Maybe before you check your social media accounts, the second that you wake up, maybe you read your Bible before you check that. Maybe you go to Sunday school. Maybe you join Women of the Word. Maybe your life group does an intense study of God's Word. Fellowship is great, but we're gathering together to sharpen one another. What are you going to change in your life to increase your knowledge and understanding of God? I want you, I'm challenging you right now. Tell your spouse on the way home before you walk into your door. Kids, tell your parents what you're going to change. Parents, tell your kids what you're going to change. Tell someone. And then we pursue holiness as the proof of that growing love of God. And what does that mean? What what behavior are we going to change? The first thing we should do is pray and ask God to convict us of areas in our life that are not pleasing to him. Maybe we should change what we watch on TV. Maybe our speech should be characterized by purity and integrity and not gossip and anger. Maybe the things we post on social media ought to bring light and life and not negativity and darkness. Maybe you ought to stop lying to your parents. God gave you parents because he loves you and your parents love you. They want what's best for you. Change something. Let your life be filled with the righteous character produced in your life by Christ. That's what brings glory and praise to God. That's what sets us apart. Now, the truth is, we're not doing this under our own power because we can't. Because we are all sinners. But we have the Holy Spirit living in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of us. God did not leave us to accomplish this by ourselves. He gave us a helper, his Holy Spirit. Which is why Paul's prayer for the Philippian church is my prayer for you as well. Look again at verse 6. He says, I am certain that God who began this good work within you will continue this work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God will continue this work as you grow in knowledge and understanding, as you nurture your love for Christ, and as you pursue a holy lifestyle. Now maybe you're here today and you don't know God and you don't know his son Jesus Christ. But you do know that you are tired of the sinful patterns that you've been trapped in for year after year. You know that you're a sinner. You feel the weight of that sin. And you want to be set free from all of that guilt and shame. Jesus Christ came to set you free. He was the Son of God. He came to earth. He lived a pure and blameless life. He was falsely accused and murdered on a cross. And when he died, he died for your sin He died for my sin. He died for all of us so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. He came to set us free and give us new life. And if you want that new life, please don't leave today without talking to me or someone on our prayer team. We have a prayer team right through this hallway uh, in the glass hallway. They would love to pray with you and talk with you. God made you for a reason to know him and to worship him in spite of our sin. He wants a relationship with us. In Romans chapter 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can have new life. 
you can know God and you can walk in holiness. It's a free gift to all who would receive it. Let's pray. And would you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.